on the next Sales is King. Michael Macchiarelli of Equinox joins us to talk about what they are doing to pivot in this new COVID economy, how sales has changed, and what he's doing to drive more revenue for Equinox in a challenging environment. In addition, we talk about the importance of social selling, building out a social profile, driving awareness, and keeping yourself moving in a changing environment. Now, on Sales is King. One. One, two. Check me out right here, yo. Yo, the sun don't shine forever But as long as it's here Then we might as well shine together Better now than never Business before pleasure P. Diddy and the fam Who you know do it better Hey everybody, welcome back to Sales is King This is Dan Sixsmith I'm here with Mike Machiavelli And Mike, welcome to the program Hey Dan, thanks a lot for having me So, trying to think of how we met I think we recently connected on one of my posts I I love the comment you made I can't even remember what the comment was, but I took a look at your profile and I said, wow, this guy's got 27,000 followers and uh, he's in the sales space. So let's, let's get him on the program. So happy to have you. And then of course, as a side note, we come to find out that uh, we belong to the same health club and Mike is the, uh, the sales leader and manager over at Equinox in Southport, Connecticut. So uh, definitely small world, right, Mike? <laughs> Yeah, small world. I look forward to meeting you. Definitely. So I'd love to get your impressions because, well, first of all, give us a little bit of background uh, as to to what you're doing today. You know, your current role. I know you're into a few different uh, exciting areas. Uh, Give us a little overview of what you're working on today and then love to dive in a little bit and see what you're experiencing out there and how sales is kind of changing in this COVID slash post-COVID world. Sure. So uh, most of my experience is in the sales training and sales management uh, side of selling. I have been working for Equinox for the past seven years. Uh, I started out as a salesperson uh, in Connecticut and uh, very quickly was promoted to regional sales manager position. So I spent about five years overseeing uh, sales teams in the New York tri-state area. And uh, recently, I now am based at the Southport, Connecticut location. Uh, aside from that, I also joined the uh, KO Advantage Group. So that is a sales training company based out of Canada. And it is uh, one of the fastest growing B2B sales training companies in North America. And we focus on helping small business owners and entrepreneurs who are scaling, uh, trying to now grow their business where they can add employees, but don't necessarily have a sales team yet and are still responsible for driving revenue themselves. So we make sure they're equipped with the skills to do that. Excellent. Wow, that's great. Um, so let's talk, let's start with the, the, the Equinox and the health club situation. Um, what is, you know, that was, to me, that's definitely an area and in industry that's, um, heavily impacted by this whole situation. What are you guys doing there? Um, I know you recently reopened. Um, how are you taking measures to get people back in? And what do you think the, you know, the longer term prognosis is for health clubs? Yeah, it's definitely uh, an interesting time and a challenging time for health clubs. 
I think the biggest thing that we are trying to do is make sure people are comfortable and make sure that they feel confident coming back to a health club for their fitness routine after stepping out of it for a bit. And then of course, the huge amount of concern that we all would have um, due to the COVID pandemic. And, you know, from a sales side, I think the number one adjustment that I've kind of seen, and I feel we'll probably be here to stay for a little while. And I, you know, I think this is actually not a bad thing is, you know, really stepping away from the focus on promotions and Mm. focusing more on value. Mm. So, yeah. Just yeah, to give you, that. yeah, kind of like a, a couple of different ways that, you know, we might be doing that is one is, you know, of course, the cleanliness and all the increased safety measures and really being uh, informed so we can inform the, the potential member uh, on what investments we've made to make sure they're safe. But then also the fact that we've grown and scaled our business on the virtual side. So mm-hmm. now you can add more workouts, even not at the club. Uh, we have a new app called Varus, and uh, it's basically, you know, you can do everything, every, everything that you'd want to do in the club in terms of group fitness at home. Mm, love that. And I love the whole notion of value selling that we're, we talk about that a lot um, on uh, the podcast. And I do a lot of that work um, for my main gig. So talk a little bit more about that. How do you, how do you deal sometimes with you know, kind of um, dealing with some of the risks or the concerns, you know, uh, when folks are kind of concerned about different issues, what do you do to kind of make them feel more comfortable? Um, and how do you kind of position, uh, you know, this, what you're selling to give them a little more comfort? Yeah, uh, I think that, of course, the first thing is to be empathetic, to be understanding. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely this is something we're all going through together and I don't think there isn't a person that isn't concerned to some degree. Uh, I think it's just a level of, um, a little bit of individual comfort level and finding that balance. Um, and I think it starts again with, uh, being really knowing what changes were made so you can inform. Um, but then also really encouraging and inviting people to try it out, to give it a shot, Mm -hmm. you know? come by, see the, cha- see the changes we made, experience it for yourself. The only way to really know if you're going to be comfortable is to come, you know, try it and be comfortable. And I think businesses are, uh, are smart to give flexibility right now. You know, uh, whether, whether someone uh, decides they aren't comfortable, like make sure they know like that's going to be okay too, but at least give it a shot. Cause you might feel really different when you, when you're here and you see, what it looks like and you, and you know there's probably a mental image of what you what it feels like and the mental image is probably close to you know maybe you're thinking of what a fitness club looked and felt like before the pandemic but mm-hmm. i can assure you it looks it feels completely different now yeah without a doubt and i you know being a member i love the um the email that was sent out on reopening here in connecticut was a great one it was really impressive it, it gave me a lot of comfort you know in terms of all the different um, cleaning, you know, during the day and, and, and just all of the precautions, um, you know, the by appointment, um, and, uh, all of that good stuff to make sure there's not, uh, too many people in there at once taking some of the machines out. So literally to me, it's like, you know, you're doing everything you can possibly do 
to uh, to make it safe and to get people back in there. So I give you guys credit. So talk a little bit. You know, it sounds like you've risen uh, pretty quickly through the ranks um, in your career. Talk about some of the key um, determinants of your success. You know, what what as a seller, what are what are the things that have uh, you know uh, been successful for you? Yeah, I think something, uh, you know, definitely something that helped me was really a focus on service. Mm. So, like, if you can provide red carpet, white glove service to either a potential cost, uh, customer or take the existing customers you have and really make sure they're having a phenomenal experience, they're getting even a better experience than they thought they were going to get uh, upon purchasing the product or the service, I think that's where you really see uh, you know, what happens is you start to, of course, get referrals, which is something we all want. And, you know, the business starts to come to you and there isn't, you know, that sense of kind of desperation. It's not drudgery because one of the things that happens is when you're giving a people a great experience, they feel good about it. And then you feel good about the fact that they feel good about it. And then you feel, <laughs> you feel good selling. It makes it a lot easier. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Without a doubt. Um, Definitely, it's, you know, when we think about it in some of the bigger companies, it's that whole buying experience. And um, definitely referrals are key, right? So if you're doing a good job, um, people will talk to other people about you. You, you, you build up this, um, you know, um, customer base. Uh, we used to call it a Rolodex back 150 years ago. Um, but uh, it, it's, it's definitely key. Um, Excellent. So what about some of the challenges along the way? Um, what have been some of the, the, the hard parts about selling and how have you overcome some obstacles along the way? Yeah, uh, so, you know, some of the hard parts, uh, I guess, are objections. You know, we all, mm-hmm. we, all, we all deal with objections. And over time, I think what can happen is, and, and whether it's my own experience or managing sales teams is, you know, we kind of get the Stockholm Syndrome. We start to believe it's too expensive or the terms are not flexible enough. And that's kind of what you really want to avoid and Mm -hmm. at all costs. And I I think the best way to do that is to make sure that I think you have to sometimes re-fall in love with your product. Mm. Because again, if you start getting so many of those objections and they stack up and you get a bad run, uh, you know, uh, again, that will start to kind of like infect your, your, your beliefs and your perspective on the value. But if you can stop and recognize that and refall with your product through your own experience or talking to people about their experiences, uh, that's where I think you can really kind of like start to dig yourself out of that hole. Yeah, I think that's a great point. And, and uh, I love that Stockholm syndrome approach. But, you know, sometimes you do, you know, you start to, it, it turns into excuse making. And um, that's one of the, you know, the, the biggest negatives that we could deal with, right, in sales. If we start to, you know, believe this stuff and start talking about uh, reasons why people won't buy, rather than taking responsibility to say, hey, look, I've got to make this happen. Uh, and I didn't do a good job. If, if they're, uh, you know, um, if they're objecting, uh, at least they're still interested. And it's my job to figure out how to work through those objections or make sure I understand where they're coming from and see if I can get them to think differently uh, about that. There's a guy I had on uh, the program a year or so ago, Jerry Acuff, 
um, and he's a longtime sales guy. And he talked about getting the prospect to just make a different decision with some new information, you know, not, not twisting their arm and convincing them, but just getting them to think a little bit differently, you know, about the, the objection by giving them some information that maybe they weren't thinking about. So um, I definitely love that. So let's think about a little bit when you hire salespeople, um, what do you look for today? What's a great profile? Uh, maybe, you know, in your current role, um, I know we talked a little bit earlier about um, not always like a, you know, prototypical seller or someone that may not have had sales experience before, but what do you typically look for and what do you see working right now? Yeah, there, there isn't necessarily a, a prototype, which makes things a little bit difficult. Uh, but at the same time, then you have kind of like open reins to kind of take a hard look at people uh, and see if it's a fit. I, you know, I've seen a lot of different qualities, but some of the, some of the qualities that I see consistently is, um, are uh, really, it's kind of like someone who is self-driven. Mm. someone who is hungry, someone who has the motivation and someone who can stay focused uh, for an extended period of time, not get distracted easily. Like they're really self-driven to focus on a work uh, and they don't mind working. So mm -hmm. that's, that's probably one of the biggest things that I've seen. Um, of course, like personality, personality mm -hmm. is always going to be a huge factor in sales. You know, you're making connections with people. And I think one of the biggest misconceptions that people fall into when they start a sales job is that they think they're selling the product number one. They're really selling themselves number one and the product number two. <laughs> yeah. I love that. That is definitely great. And I guess if they're, you know, self-motivated and hungry, that's a great foundational uh, elements, right. That you can then build and train them from there. Uh, yep. which I think is great. Tell me a little bit about how networking has, um, has impacted your success so far. Um, what do you think of networking? Are you a good networker? And what, what is the definition of a good networker? Ooh, I, uh, it's a good question. I feel like I'm still on that journey. I'm definitely doing a lot more uh, networking than I used to. And for mm -hmm. anyone listening, I think it's, you know, I can just tell you from firsthand experience, it's one of those things you'll look back on and you wish you did more of. Mm. <laughs> it's, yeah. It's, yeah. It's definitely, you know, I, so I, you know, I've been around a while. I've had to, to change careers, uh, change industries. I did a lot of reading uh, on networking. And uh, I always found the term intimidating because mm -hmm. it just seems like it's just something I wasn't good at. But I found that the more I really, um, I read about it and the more people I kind of talked to about it, um, I, I kind of, uh, I took a lot of the stress out of it by just saying to myself, you know, let me just connect with as many people as I can and figure out ways I can help them uh, mm -hmm. versus, you know, you think of networking, like going into a meeting and everyone's like, you know, walking around <laughs> handing out business cards. Um, but there's some great, uh, some great people that uh, uh, I've connected with that are really sharp uh, when it, when it comes to networking, there's a great podcast called uh, build your network with a guy called uh, Travis Chapel, He was on the program. Um, he actually just taught himself about networking by interviewing great networkers, which I thought was a great, uh, a, a great way to, to get to become an expert. So, um, but I think, it's, I, I think it's just a key trait to have 
and the ability to just, you know, have your antenna up, right, uh, wherever mm -hmm. you are. And, um, you know, flip, flip the script and just say, let, you know, let's see how I can help this person. And uh, not necessarily expect anything in return, but perhaps, and then usually what happens is it usually comes back around um, and you just kind of build out your, your stable of connections. And a lot of the successful salespeople that I've seen uh, have been able to do that, you know, over the course of their career. And um, they've just done exceptionally well. So um, that's an interesting take. So shifting a little bit to the training and coaching, um, talk a little bit about how you're going about that. Um, how, how, are, you know, how have things changed in the kind of COVID world? Um, and what are some of the big challenges that you help your companies with? Yeah. So in terms of the, the training, uh, you know, this, this year is definitely, uh, of course different, but I, I actually think one of the things that this year has done is, is really force, force us to focus more on things we probably should have been focusing more on anyway. Mm -hmm. So one, one example that I have, of course, is, is being comfortable selling virtually. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's, that's a change we have all adapted to. And it's crazy to look back on pre-pandemic and think that I, I honestly, I barely ever Zoomed. And maybe that's just because of the industries that, that, I, that I sell in. But now it's obviously, it's a part, it's a part of our day. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's definitely uh, learning how to use Zoom, getting comfortable virtually selling, getting comfortable with the phone again. Mm -hmm. It's also going to be very important because you're not necessarily going to be meeting with people as often as you used to. Mm -hmm. um, there's also social selling and using LinkedIn. So, yes. I, you know, if, if that's not something you've been investing a lot of time in, now's the time because that is going to be, in my opinion, the number one channel to uh, grow your business, build your brand, network, you prospect, you name it. Uh, aside from closed deals, and maybe that will we'll get there at some point. Mm -hmm. uh, but almost like you know, the first sixty percent of the sales process is you know going to be LinkedIn and virtually driven. Absolutely, without a doubt. And um, so, what do you do differently? What do you look out for? um virtually versus um in 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 face to face what do you what do you kind of teach um your customers to um to be on the lookout for or or how to position themselves yeah you definitely have to make sure uh, make sure you're positioning yourself you know still in a professional way um you know you you kind of want to pay attention to the little things so if you think of meeting someone in person you know, how they appear and a lot of the things that they might be, uh, you know, the, even the environment that you're presenting yourself in, those things matter. Like people make judgments about those things. So, mm -hmm. you know, I would encourage everyone to make sure that you're presenting yourself in the best fashion on Zoom. Uh, if you have, you know, a great office to have as a background, or maybe you can use a Zoom background, make sure mm -hmm. you're still dressing and, you know, your business casual, your business casual clothes, make sure you're still, uh, kind of bringing that energy. So, you know, we can, we're a bit limited virtually in terms of transferring that energy, but you know, you can still feel positive energy and a smile. Um, mm -hmm. You know, one of the things that has, uh, that I found interesting is I did read a study and uh, it was from 2020 that, you know, they took two groups and they had them negotiate one negotiated virtually and 
of course, they were told to smile more often and a group that were told to negotiate uh, and, you know, they were more serious and the group that smiled more often closed more deals. <laughs> yeah, a little, little thing like that, right? Yeah, it's, it's a little thing. And, uh, you know, it, I think it's, it, it's a good reminder, like, you know, don't be so serious, which is probably a good reminder in general. Uh, you know, we have, a, I think, enough seriousness going on in the world. So uh, sure, sure. I think if you can make the, uh, the virtual meeting a, a more positive experience, you know, the better for everyone. Without a doubt. And then one of the other tricks, uh, it's a little trickier today, if you're on with a group, um, rather than sitting in the room, now you've got to kind of uh, put on your gallery view uh, and make sure, you know, people are invested, right? Because you could, you could tell if you're losing people, um, if you're sitting in front of them, and how that call yep. might be going. But sometimes, uh, you know, you get kind of lost in your demo or whatever you're presenting on Zoom. And uh, you might not know if people are checking out, if you're losing them, if you got to kind of reel them back in, right? So, uh, yeah, there's a lot of uh, tricks to it. But I love what you're saying to really, you know, to show up uh, as if you'd be showing up in person. You know, just because you're sitting in your living room or, you know, office at home doesn't mean you should be too relaxed, which sometimes we, we can be. And even if we're doing five or six or seven, I had 11 calls a couple of days ago, you start, you know, just staggering into, <laughs> into, these, into these calls and it becomes a, a little difficult for sure. Um, so, you know, um, I love that you talked about social selling. Um, I noticed that you have a, a, quite a large following. Tell me, um, uh, you know, A, how did you build up so far such a, a great uh, number of followers on LinkedIn? And B, what are some of your, uh, you know, your top hacks in terms of social selling? Yeah. So, you know, I, I really kind of crossed a threshold with LinkedIn. And I, and I feel like, you know, you have people that are maybe the way I was two or three years ago. And you know, it feels like LinkedIn should only, it's kind of like this weird thing where it's like, I don't really have that many connections and I don't really know how to interact and I don't know who to connect with. I think once you get past the idea of you should only be connected with people you actually know is right. when you can really grow your LinkedIn and take mm -hmm. off. So mm -hmm. I would think of it less as thinking of like, oh, connecting with people I know like reverse the process. Don't think it's like meet someone or know someone and then connect with them on LinkedIn, connect with them on LinkedIn and then get to know them or meet mm. them. And mm -hmm. think about like what industries you want. Like everyone has like a, a kind of like a network that they'd like to have. So um, just to give like a basic example. So I am a sales manager and I, of course, would love to be connected with all kinds of sales managers in different industries so I can learn more about the challenges and how they approach things. Um, you know, I also write a blog, so it's like that would be a great audience for me. So, you know, basically, if you go to LinkedIn and you go to the top search bar and you just type in, you know, sales manager, you can, and then click people, and then you can filter it by area. Maybe you just do like, a, for me, I would do like greater New York City area because that's like a, a, broad spread, a broad spread that's not too broad. Mm -hmm. And then just start connecting with people like mm -hmm. just, just hit connect and just keep doing it. And I would add like maybe 50 or so people a day, eventually LinkedIn limits you, but you can probably do about 50 or so people a day and you do that math. And you know, that's, uh, it's about 1500 people a month. If you do, you know, 50 a day for 30 days. So that's good. I love that approach. 
Um, yeah, and I, I'm with you because um, for a while I was more like, oh, I have to make sure my network is, you know, and I think that was more of the early days of LinkedIn, right? You kind of almost have to know the person and, mm -hmm. you know, um, but now I literally, I accept anybody, you know, and uh, I'm all about, I think it's all about audience building um, yes. without a doubt. Um, and you just don't know who, you know, is going to be someone that can connect you or who can be a future customer. But this is a great approach because I'm, I'm more on the receiving end uh, than I am, you know, getting out there and being a little bit more aggressive about. Um, and and, and so, I'll, so I'll send out connections to people that I meet with. And after the meeting, I'll send those out. Um, but I, I, I think your idea is, and your approach is really a good one. You know, you do have to set aside the time to identify that target audience um, and then really, you know, uh, be intentional about doing this on a daily or weekly basis to, to build that audience. And then from there, um, you know, you have a blog, I have a blog and the podcast. I'm, tr I'm trying to do as many different mediums as possible because I feel like some people like a podcast. They like to listen in the car, you know, others like videos and they'll watch YouTube videos at night or others prefer to read. So I'm trying to, to just push content out in as many different mediums as possible. But um, I think the audience building is also um, another thing about it. And I think we in sales, so it's just more than, you know, you talked about first impressions. You know, I, I always say the first impressions now occur online before anyone even meets you. They can go to your social profile and see, you know, is this an interesting person? Um, you know, are they sharing things? Are they doing original content? Um, and, you know, how engaging is this person? So I think we almost have an obligation now. I don't know how you feel about it, but um, like, you know, I would tell folks on my team or people that I'll train and coach that you have an obligation now to really have an engaging and active social profiles because people are going to draw uh, conclusions about you, you know, before you even meet with them. Yeah, I, I agree wholeheartedly. I mean, I, I think the minute everyone realizes that they're a brand now mm -hmm. whether they like it or not because everyone's one google or linkedin search away and it's the same as now how the buying process has changed you know mm -hmm. the first thing that we do when we buy something is we research it we're well you know mm -hmm. well more informed well more knowledgeable and already kind of have a very strong impression of how we feel about it before we actually engage further with a human being it's the same for you know meeting people you know we 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 look, we look the person up, at least many of us, um, and, mm -hmm. and just you know, kind of figure out exactly who we're going to be interacting with and, and, and make some evaluations. Um, just the way of the world. Yeah, without a doubt, Michael. And I love that. And I, I often say, you know, buyers are researching. So if you can create some original content around that subject, why not be part of the research um, and someone that they can, you know, potentially reach out early in the process where a lot more of these more complex deals um, are won and lost. Um, well, I have to say this was great. I, I'm, I'm so glad that you, uh, we were able to connect and, and cross paths. Tell, tell us about uh, how we can find you. I'd love to know the name of the blog um, and some of your other kind of social handles. Sure. Yeah. So the easiest way to find me is on LinkedIn, uh, Mike Macchiarelli on LinkedIn. Uh, the name of the blog is called savingfaith.blog. 
So that's, uh, it's spelled just like it sounds, savingsface.blog. And I do talk about sales, uh, negotiation, even a little bit of conflict resolution. Hmm. Uh, and those, those are the best ways to find me. Awesome. Well, maybe you come back next time and we'll talk about uh, negotiation and some uh, other elements of sales. But uh, it was a real pleasure to have you on. Um, I'm going to look for you now at uh, Equinox when I, <laughs> when I get back there. And uh, it was really a, a treat to have you on. And I, I wish you continued success and um, look forward to talking again. Yeah, looking forward to it as well. It's a great example of virtual networking. <laughs> awesome. Talk to you soon, Michael.